What are the latest money laundering trends and threats? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with our resident anti-money laundering expert, Kevin Sullivan. Kevin, it's a pleasure to catch up with you again. Uh, thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. It's been a while since we spoke, and we spoke some last year about some of the trends that you were seeing, and you produced some webinars for us. What are you seeing now in early 2010 as the, the top money laundering trends? Well, I, I think the latest area of concern is uh, is not necessarily anything that's new mechanically. However, uh, there's been new light shed on a, on a very old subject down in Washington, D.C. lately. Politically exposed persons, also known as PEPs, and their inner, inner circles of power uh, have managed to bring massive amounts of suspect money into the United States. And there recently has been a Senate subcommittee on investigations led by Senator Carl Levin that is uh, currently finishing up with his investigation, and he'll be releasing a report detailing the abuse of the U.S. financial system by these PEPs, or, or we could also call them these corrupt foreign officials. So what is it that our audience really ought to know about this, Kevin? And our audience has expanded. We talk to financial institutions, government agencies, and healthcare organizations as well. Well, I, I think they uh, they should be aware of the uh, the risks that they're at. And right now, there are uh, some glaring gaps in the Patriot Act uh, that may be circumventing the effectiveness of the Bank Secrecy Act. Uh, we have lawyers, lobbyists, real estate and escrow agents that have assisted in disguising the existence of hundreds of millions of dollars that have been brought into the U.S. by these various PEPs, and they're usually from corrupt regimes. Uh, however, it should be noted that those professions are under no obligation to establish or maintain any type of AML program. However, these U.S. entities did nothing illegal per se, but they are at the forefront of an absolute black hole in our AML policies. Uh, and, and while the Senate investigation uh, didn't completely just focus on those various professions, such as the lawyers and lobbyists, uh, they did note that they have no AML obligation, which probably needs to change. And they were some major financial institutions, which, which I don't feel the need to name them right now. They're certainly in the newspaper. You can find out if you want. But these major institutions failed to identify PEPs, or they, and or they failed to clear up the fog that surrounds some quite dubious transactions that these PEPs uh, completed. Well, it sounds like what you've always told me, as soon as an organization builds a 10-foot wall, the bad guys build an 11-foot ladder. That's what they do. That That is their job. Uh, the bad guy's job in the world is to figure out ways to circumvent uh, what defense shields that you've managed to establish. So, Kevin, we've worried for years about financial institutions and their money laundering risks and the, and the protections that they have in place to uh, to watch over customers. What types of organizations do you see most at risk now from what the bad guys are doing? Uh, any type of financial institution uh, right now is at risk because what the bad guys uh, and these and whether it be PEPs or organized crime, uh, they will use any and every method possible. Uh, so it's tough to say that one particular 
uh, area of the, uh, the legitimate financial community is, is exposed, they're all exposed. And, and, and just like any good drug dealer will do, a, a good, smart drug dealer doesn't put all his eggs in one basket, per se. He doesn't send uh, one truck full of all his cocaine uh, up the highway across the border. He sends boats, trucks, cars, submarines, airplanes, uh, post service. He does a million different ways. And same thing uh, with our financial institutions. No one is particularly any more at risk than another, but if there is any loophole in the system, the bad guy will find it and they will abuse it. Well, Kevin, tell us a little bit more about how organizations can prevent some of the suspicious money from entering the U.S. What should they be looking for? What can they do to fight back? Well, as uh, far as finance institutions are concerned, I think th they must realize that dealing with a PEP is a risk that requires significant mitigation. Uh, absolutely, when you deal with a PEP, it can be quite profitable for your company. But however, you realize that your institution's reputation is also at stake. So there are several items, uh, I think, that should be on your AML to-do list. And, and they would be, uh, you know, make sure that you can and you do identify any customer who might be a PEP. Uh, also, verify the source of the funds. You know, transparency is good. Uh, fog is bad. Transparency, good. Uh, make sure that there is some form of enhanced monitoring of the entire PEP relationship, particularly in, in private banking. Uh, and, and, and some other recommendations uh, I, I would have, uh, not necessarily for the financial institutions, but in, for government, we need to mandate that U.S. corporations identify their beneficial owners. And, and this way it prevents the use of shell companies uh, who have hidden PEPs as their owners. Uh, also, remove the exemption in the Patriot Act for real estate and escrow agents. And they need to abide by the same AML standards as all other financial institutions. And I, and I think finally my, my last recommendation would be to upgrade, uh, update the immigration rules and make foreign corruption a legal basis for denying entrance into the United States. Kevin, there's a topic I haven't asked you very much about, but I'm curious. One of the things that we know people in financial institutions, government, healthcare organizations are concerned about are social networking sites and social networking activity. Do you see money laundering activity going to those venues as well? I haven't done any investigations on that. Uh, I think the, uh, just before I retired at the end of last year, that probably was going to be one of my next little projects is to uh, look into some of these social networking sites. I think if, if there is any type of value that gets transferred over these sites, you can certainly uh, abuse it for money laundering. But I think what is, is a more of a major concern for law enforcement is that these social networking sites just give more methods of communications to the bad guys. Uh, so it used to be that their only form of communication was the telephone, and we could go up on a wiretap and listen in on phone conversations. Well, now we have to worry about the wiretaps, you worry about uh, mobile phones, you know, worry about uh, IM messages, and now going on Facebook, leaving things on, on that. And usually they're kind of coded messages. 
Uh, so it, what it has done is just opened up a a treasure trove of opportunity for communication in the in the world bad guy network. Now it seems like it's been a year or so since we've seen any significant AML guidance. Is there anything that's come down that organizations ought to be aware of? Well, I think as a result of this recent Senate investigation, uh, there will be some new regulations coming down the pike with reference to identifying corporate transparency. Now, we will never mandate an attorney in the United States to report suspicious activity. Now, however, they do that in the EU. Um, now I, as much as I would love to see that, I, I just don't see that happening here in this country. But the uh, Senate subcommittee will recommend that lawyers at least certify that their attorney-client accounts do not accept suspect funds that involve PEPs who have been uh, red flagged for uh, suspect behavior and activity. Now, Kevin, you referenced your retirement from police work. For people that have listened to your webinars before, have listened to your podcast interviews, and have gotten to know you some, can you give us a sense of, of where your career has taken you now and what you're up to these days? Well, uh, the first few months since I retired from law enforcement, my focus was uh, basically on working on my slice to the right. However, it uh, it didn't work out that well. It, it still stinks. <laughs> uh, but so once I put that piece behind me, uh, I've been working now on developing uh, online and on-demand AML training courses, which will be available via my website uh, at amltrainer.com. I'm a, I'm a real big believer that there is a void in the training process. You know, there's a lot of trainers out there that can talk about money laundering and, and recite the three phases of money laundering. However, the focus must be, uh, in any learning situation, the student has to remember, retain, and be able to recite back what he has been taught. And he has to do that long after he leaves the classroom. Uh, so the way to do that is by using interactive methods and, and basically making the program enjoyable and informative. Well, Kevin, it sounds like fun. I look forward to uh, to seeing some of your programs and to talking with you down the road about um, any anti-money laundering activities as they uh, as they emerge. Well, thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate you allowing me to be here. The topic has been anti-money laundering. We've been talking with AML expert Kevin Sullivan. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.